0: Section 1 of The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 6, March 1896. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 6, March 1896. Section 1 Eleanor Stevens' Will by Isabel Scott Stone When the following notice appeared in the columns of the daily newspapers, society experienced an absolutely new sensation. People who hadn't known the late Eleanor Stevens immediately began to inquire into the history of the woman whose name was coupled with so singular an announcement and people who had known Eleanor Stevens, forthwith revive long lists of her curious fads and fancies, concluding always with the declaration, well, it's just what you might expect from Eleanor Stevens. Personal. The rejected suitors of the late Miss Eleanor Stevens may hear something to their advantage by communicating with Willard Pratt, Councillor at Law INTERNATIONAL TRUST BUILDING. Now, Eleanor Stevens had been by no means either the crotchety old maid or the rattle-brained young one that these remarks might imply. On the contrary, she had been a rarely charming and gifted young woman, well-born, well-bred, the heiress to an enormous fortune, in fact the possessor of beauty, brains, and money sufficient to equip half a dozen so-called society bells. But in spite of these endowments, or perhaps because of them, Eleanor Stevens had been an eccentric, and with every year since her debut her eccentricity had become more marked. At times, for example, she would dance in golf, poor at teas and talk small talk to eligible young men with a persistency and success that made her for the time the sun of society's solar system then suddenly and with no excuse whatever she would withdraw into herself refuse all invitations and spend a month or more in studying buddhism or in inquiring into the condition of the poor in great cities as to her suitors the most remarkable reports had existed concerning miss stephen's treatment of those gentlemen it had been said by some that each in turn underwent a period of suspense hung like mahomet's coffin between earth and heaven at the end of which time he was always lowered to the former element by miss stephen's unqualified refusal certain malicious rivals had even claimed that at times these proposals were so numerous that miss stevens used to print forms of rejection like those sent by publishers with unavailable manuscripts with space left blank for the name and date there were others who had declared that her drawing-room was always as crowded with suitors as a fashionable doctor's waiting-room with patients occasionally it had occurred to an exceptionally keen-witted person to connect the girl's periods of self-exile with her reputed refusal of some specially manly lover but each of these reports was after all founded only on surmise for it was cited as a crowning instance of miss stephen's eccentricity that she had looked upon the subject of love and marriage with an old-fashioned romanticism and that while she had never found her special ideal yet she believed too thoroughly in the honour of her would-be lovers ever to betray their confidence in the end society had concluded to accept the girl's vagaries as simply Eleanor Stephen's Way. And this formula had been made to cover a multitude of oddities, ranging from the wearing of high crowns when low ones were the fashion, to Miss Stephen's sudden and mysterious departure for Europe exactly two days after she had taken apartments for the summer with a party of friends at a watering place hotel. Indeed, when six months after her abrupt departure, the notice came of the young heiress's sudden death, unattended except by her maid and companion, in some obscure village in the Black Forest, even her friends could find no phrase that so well expressed their shocked surprise as, Well, that was just like Eleanor Stevens, she couldn't even die like other people. And now, Following upon the news of her strange death, had appeared this still stranger notice. Eleanor Stevens rejected suitors. Who were they? Would they present themselves according to directions? What were the advantages they would gain by so doing? To the last of these questions, the public had not long to wait for an answer three days after the extraordinary personal had made its appearance the announcement was made that eleanor stevens had left a will and that this will had been probated before this news was twelve hours old the sensation caused by the advertisement was completely overshadowed by that produced by the following clause with which it was discovered the will ended To each of my rejected suitors I give and bequest $25,000 to be paid subject to certain sealed conditions exactly one year from my death in the library of my resident in Beechwood Street, Philadelphia. Decidedly, society had never found a more tantalizing subject for gossip than was furnished by this mysterious will. The latest scandal— The approaching wedding at St. Peter's and the forthcoming private ball all faded into nothingness beside this all-absorbing sensation. In the newspapers, long accounts of the dead woman's life and character, of her house and gowns, ways of wearing her hair, and such light-throwing investigations were published daily a popular preacher referred to the subject validly in his sunday-night sermon men who had never seen eleanor Stevens quiz one another about the wide swathe they would cut when they claimed the money due them under her will every masculine being from an office boy to a grey-haired clergyman that rode up in the elevator of the international trust building where willard pratt had his office was regarded as a possible applicant bent on further informing himself concerning the curious legacy's conditions one man only knew the facts in the case and that was eleanor Stevens's lawyer willard pratt but from him neither hints nor bribes nor open question could drag a syllable as for mr pratt's office-boy he reaped a harvest of retainers for worthless tips on the approaching race in the end people decided that the legacy had some connection with the late miss Stevens' romantic ideas concerning her rejected suitors and accepted grudgingly the necessity of awaiting the slow coming and going of three hundred and sixty-five days before they could find out who those suitors had been meantime willard pratt counsellor at law was deriving from the administration of miss stephen's will the keenest enjoyment of his long and varied legal career being a shrewd reader of character, and possessed of a large fund of humour, he had vastly enjoyed being interviewed by the claimants or the claimants' friends, and, though they had got nothing out of him, he had, on the other hand, got a great deal out of them. As one after another left him, the keen jurist invariably chuckled to himself, smart girl to refuse him, he was after the money that's plain but what in the name of all that's holy made her give him twenty five thousand now but his enjoyment reached its culminating point when just one week before the day appointed for the settlement of the will society was again startled by this notice in the daily papers to whom it may concern the rejected suitors of miss eleanor stevens are requested to meet at her late residence on beechwood street philadelphia on monday the 21st inst at 10 o'clock a.m. with reference to the legacies due them under her will willard pratt executor i think that will reawaken popular interest said the old lawyer dryly and so it did seven days later when the hour appointed for the reception of miss stephen's rejected suitors drew near the street in the vicinity of her late residence was lined with an eager multitude of men and women from behind the curtains of every window within a block unseen spectators awaited the morning's developments while people who would not acknowledge their curiosity by joining the crowd of confessed sightseers made convenient errands which took them through beechwood street at the time appointed for the show the only drawback to the anticipated enjoyment was the fear that after all the suitors might at the last moment fail to appear but no such catastrophe occurred it is true that as the hour drew near in which they were to stand confessed as members of miss eleanor's army of martyrs several of the intended claimants found themselves weakening in their resolve those for instance who had justified their claims solely on the ground of an admiration felt but never expressed felt their courage oozing as the ordeal approached others who were burning incense at new shrines seriously considered renouncing a claim that would decidedly complicate their present prospects still others who were now happily married hesitated at opening the old wound and endangering their domestic bliss even for twenty five thousand dollars while hardly one but felt some qualms at the thought of openly profiting by an experience that most men hide in the deepest recesses of their heart it was a question whether pride or profit would win the day in the end however the almighty dollar proved its right to that title when mr pratt entered the library of miss stephen's late residence at ten o'clock on this eventful morning he found the room crowded with a body of men clad in mourning garb and solemnly waiting in various stages of uneasiness for the approach of the long expected moment as the lawyer silently took his seat behind a baize-covered table the troubled faces grew visibly more troubled and as he produced sundry important-looking documents and laid them on the table each countenance was stamped with mingled emotions eager expectancy in many cases being linked with shame and avarice gentlemen began the old lawyer I must trouble each of you to give me in writing a concise statement of the time, place, and circumstances attending your several offers and rejections, in order that I may have documentary proof that you are entitled to the legacies left you by the terms of Miss Stephen's will. Documentary Proof! at those unexpected words the emotion that marked the faces of the strange assembly changed to unmistakable concern was this some disagreeable joke no the old lawyer waited with unmoved face for the fulfilment of his demand there was a momentary hesitation then filing up in due order the applicants one by one seated themselves at the table before the old attorney and wrote the account demanded as the last statement was signed the portieres of the library were suddenly drawn back and a tall heavily veiled figure advanced slowly into the middle of the room then as she raised her hand and drew back the thick gauze that masked her face a cry of terror echoed through the house the woman was eleanor stevens wait she commanded don't be alarmed i am no ghost The Miss Stevens, who died a year ago in the Black Forest, was not the Miss Stevens whose loss you are so deeply mourning. By a stupid blunder of the peasants with whom I was staying, an exchange of names occurred between myself and an invalid girl whom I had befriended, so that when she died her death certificate was issued under the name of Eleanor Stevens.' some weeks earlier i had been influenced by daily contact with one whose life was fading rapidly away to draw up my will in legal form and to send it home to my lawyer when i so suddenly left for europe a year and a half ago it was because of a conversation overheard between several of my seeming admirers which changed all my ideas of manly chivalry in affairs of the heart and which drove me abroad as i supposed for ever It was that blundering exchange of names that has given me the opportunity of meeting you under these interesting circumstances. Now, gentlemen, my will, in which you have shown so deep an interest, stipulates that each of my rejected suitors shall receive $25,000 after my death. That bequest will be carried out to the letter, when i am really dead in the meantime i would gladly read your documentary proofs but as i have never in all my life rejected but two suitors and as one of these died six months ago and the other is not here to-day i shall be obliged to refer you to my lawyer and with a sweeping curtsey, miss stevens withdrew from the room End of section one. Recording by Alan Mapstone in Oxford, England.